There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Medicine Path is a free and independent listener-supported project that explores the intersections of spirituality, psychedelics, and psychology with the intention of providing you inspiration and insight on your path of healing, growth, and transformation. To learn how you can support this podcast through a monthly contribution or a one-time donation, please visit medicinepathpodcast.com forward slash support. Welcome to the Medicine Path Podcast. I'm your host, Brian James. On this episode, I speak with New Age music pioneer Laraji, a.k.a. Laraji Nadabrahmananda. Laraji is a meditator, laugh master, and cosmic musician who has performed in Europe, Asia, and the United States with his specially designed electric zither. He also uses the African mbirde, piano, synthesizers, hand drums, percussion, Tibetan gong, and his amazing voice. Since his first musical collaboration with famed producer Brian Eno in 1980, Laraji has appeared on dozens of recordings, toured the world multiple times performing music, leading laughter meditation workshops, and teaching healing sound intensives. To learn more about Laraji's origin story and journey, I recommend listening to our conversation back on episode 4 of the podcast. For this conversation, I really didn't have a particular topic I wanted to talk about. I just happened to be in New York City where Laraji lives and wanted to take the opportunity to hang out and check in with him. So I invited him over to our mutual friend Killian's apartment in Chelsea for some ginger beer and a free form chat where we 
talked about living in the big city, five rhythms dance and how it facilitates his creative process, the yumminess of silence, and the connection between music and psychedelics. Being with Laraji or listening to his music always inspires me to be myself, to trust the present moment and what wants to be authentically expressed in the moment, and to not be afraid to be beautiful. I really hope this episode inspires something in you, and if it does, please let me know by sending an email to hello at brianjames.ca. Now, please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with the beautiful Laraji Nadabrahmananda on The Medicine Path. Infinite greetings. <laughs> Welcome back, Laraji. Okay, you won't find me then. I don't claim to ever come back. <laughs> well, I guess I came to you this time. Came uh, forward, yes. So yeah, we're in our mutual friend's apartment in uh, Chelsea, New, New York, York City. City. The Big yeah. Apple. The city that never sleeps. That's true. It has its innocent hours, though. It's from 2 to 6 or 7 in the morning. It's a nice time to see the innocent side of New York. The softer side of New York. Softer, yes. Yeah, well, I've been kind of struck by um, the intensity of the city and people hustling and bustling yes. constantly, constantly, a constant flow of people. That is true in uh, I find it kind of fascinating that someone like you lives in a place like this. Does the does the noise and busyness ever get to you? It would be an issue with me if I didn't have double pane windows. Lived on the fifth floor. Uh, also, I access the parks around New York City where you can get away from the high volume of noise and sounds, and being. A uh, creative artist up at three in the morning or so, I like to channel creative intentions at that time in the morning. So when that's when the ether is quieter in the environment. I do get the rumble of the subway trains. I do get police sirens and ambulance siren sounds. They waft through and onto my apartment space. I accept it as the sonic topography mm-hmm. 
of where I live. And uh, you could say that's the realistic sound of success, the success of being able to live in Harlem at this time, mm. being able to afford to live in Harlem at this time, and, and finding that New York works for me. For the transportation, I don't need to be dependent on a car, nor a donkey. <laughs> Imagine if I was... No, a donkey might be nice. I had to be dependent on a donkey <laughs> in New York. Where would I keep a donkey? Well, donkey is both transportation and a companion. Really? You know, a car You're, you can't my leave... My friend, a donkey? <laughs> <laughs> can't really say that about a car, you know. But then why not? I mean, donkeys look so passive or open to ease. If ever I've seen a picture of a donkey or a donkey in a movie, the donkey didn't seem to be out of bent out of shape about anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've been uh, bred that way, but... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mild-mannered donkey. But so, living in New York, yeah. dancing a lot, barefoot, free-form dancing, that's way to let the soul speak. That's when I can feel resolution, when I allow soul speak to come through. Mm. To know that whatever it is behind a temporary self can shine through in its own timeless language, with movement, gestures, groans, just to let that happen. And I do that at free-form dancing. It's more than just dancing. It's opening. Do you do that with other people at like an ecstatic dance event, or is that just something you do on your own? In addition to my own, there is a group community dancing, this five rhythms dancing Gabriel occurs in Rock. New York very very often, about five, six times a week. I mean, it's available. Mm -hmm. I might, three at the max I might get to if I'm not on tour because I consider it part of my discipline and an investment in myself as a creative artist, always staying uh, alert to the possibilities before five rhythms dance practice, I might have been very open to the meditative, contemplative, peaceful, flowing, possible ways of expressing music for a public. But the five rhythm dance has opened me up to exploring chaos and staccato mm. as uh, they're integral in five various rhythms that take the mind and the body on a full resolving journey. Hmm. Did you ever meet Gabriel Roth? Yes. She was swinging in the body uh, for quite a few years. I knew her first while I was friends with one of her music directors, Raphael, in the 80s, I believe. And I even did some recorded music for her. I was not aware of the level at which she was teaching or level of the gift that she was bringing down from the sky. The five rhythms is um, philosophy, it's a medicine, it's a teaching. It's a way to put your hands and your bodies on your situation to navigate yourself and to, I guess, clear hmm. in body and spiritual being. At my talk last night, I read a passage from my book 
that's entitled Be Your Own Shaman. and Save the money? To, well, there's a lot of reasons why you know I make that argument. But uh, one of the ways I suggest you could do that is through Hatha Yoga as a way to clear yourself out the way that the village shaman would clear you out when there were blockages in your system that would totally. lead to illness. yes. So you found five rhythms to be an effective medicine for clearing yourself. Yes. Um, no doubt the degree to which I come to the classes, the degree of intention and depth of my willing to practice it makes all the difference. And so my willingness to listen to the lessons, there are lessons there, and to actually explore getting total body, hips, head, arms, total body freed up from the head's agenda, hmm. breathing, remembering to breathe and move, and remembering that these are not just classes, these, these are just uh, platforms for you to go out and practice in the public, the way you walk through a crowded uh, Penn Station, the way you uh, flow when uh, stress or dense situations coming on you. How do you stay open and flowing and not crash into it? Chaos, how do you go with chaos when it's on you? Do you resist it? Can you go with it and not break, not destroy yourself? And then there's repetition lyrical and then there's stillness which is also movement and to bring that practice into performance moving into as a composer bringing the uh, experience direct experience of a universal stillness through the music mm. I, I saw you not too long ago perform in toronto in a little uh, urban church. And two things that you're just talking about resonated with that experience. One thing that I was struck by in that performance was your movements while you performed. You were making some very uh, graceful, beautiful gestures with your arms and hands. And I was just quite struck by that. Um, and I was really touched to see a, a man not afraid to be graceful and beautiful. So that's one aspect that I'm reminded of when you talk about the five rhythms. And the other aspect that struck me was that you're not afraid of silence when performing. <laughs> you notice that. Yes. Yeah. Silence is very yummy and therapeutic. And uh, it has a deafening roar to it. You put it to initiate a silence in the middle or some part of a concert. It's that silence that the whole universe can flow into, fall into. It's a gapping, noticeable stillness, which uh, in itself is a, uh, a resource and energy, mm -hmm. the vortex. But it's a resource that we can let go, release, and uh, feel nothing for a while. Mm. <laughs> feel nothing, but maybe feeling everything too, or the potential Being, for everything. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I was um, I was in a taxi coming back from uh, Brooklyn last night, late, and the driver was a Muslim guy, and he was telling me one of the favorite things 
of his, of his daily routine is tuning in at, at 12 o'clock noon where there's a 10-minute broadcast from uh, an Islamic country. I don't know which one, but it's broadcast all over the globe. Mm. And so Muslims will tune in at this particular time, wherever they are, and listen for 10 minutes to this guy talk and how uh, nourishing that was for him to have that connection to his culture on a, mm. a daily basis. And it struck me, and I made the suggestion to him that what would happen if there was a global broadcast of 10 minutes of silence every day at noon that people could tune into? Like every television, every radio, every website goes quiet for 10 minutes a day. And just what kind of effect that might have on society? Oh, first time I tried to contemplate that other than uh, an energy blackout or all the satellites go down. Ten minutes, there's been no communication. Uh, I don't know how strong that would register if everyone would get it, get it in order to participate at, it at that level. As much as what might, what if the global magnetic field shifted for 10 minutes in such a way that everyone felt it and they were just speechless. So that everyone is sharing this significant altered state and at the same time they're knowing that this is happening all throughout the whole globe. That might be a, another way of mm. 10 minutes of energetic global silence. Uh, I would imagine the whole globe would bounce back from that with a common experience out of which perhaps a, a, a harmony or a community or a chat group would, <laughs> would evolve. <laughs> or perhaps like a common philosophy, you know? And my idea was, it, it's like what how the Quakers run their service you know it's about getting quiet listening for the small voice inside and finding the voice of god within you so i just thought like if there's a global opportunity for that with an intention like let's just get quiet for 10 minutes a day and see what happens you know see what arises out of that uh i've thought that you you'd have to decide what quantity of people you need to f to be happy with this i mean if you would want every single new yorker let's say every single berliner every single person in the uk moscow israel palestine for 10 minutes to have silence and silence we mean at the depth of the silence of linear thinking the silence of separatist mind flow this is call it a cosmic prostration. Hmm. I like that, the cosmic prostration. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we can start a campaign for this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, like what we're just kind of talking about here, how things can shift collectively. And I was wondering about the like the five rhythms dance. How important is it to be doing that kind of practice in community? 
Is that an essential element for you? It is for a essential reality that that the five rhythms does allow opportunity for touch, energetic, physical contact in uh, on the dance floor. And dance floor is an extension of life, so it's opportunity for contact in life, physical, in an intentional setting, in a setting where we understand that the flow of breath is prioritized, that we're breathing, and that uh, we're in constant motion, so there's no getting stuck or stopping or going into resistance. So in a community, there is this opportunity to, say, confront the possibilities of getting stuck and choosing to not let it happen. In a community, there's the uh, temptation to notice things that maybe are not relevant to you, what other people are doing, what other people are wearing. There's a chance to practice uh, seeing but not not becoming what you're seeing. <laughs> Remaining alert that you're a flow, that you are spirit. I don't like to say that you're part of God because I don't believe God comes in parts <laughs> <laughs> or a part. Uh, so remaining, it's possible in a five rhythm setting that you're not there to dance as a couple, as a romantic uh, quest. You're there to work on yourself, to dive deep into your movement potential and use it to exercise, to open, to treat, to heal, to love, to... Uh, and to have fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's not forget that. No. So, speaking of flowing and moving, you told me that you just got back from Japan. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. I should say I came forward from Japan. I never mm. come back. Okay. Don't come back. There's no one here. <laughs> <laughs> they all left. Yeah, so you came forward from Japan recently. Yes, now you'll find us. Here we are. <laughs> forward from Japan, Nippon. And though I've been there maybe four times, maybe five, this time was a chance to really breathe and savor and to notice what possibly was very real the other times I visited. The politeness, the warmth, the gentleness, the cultural... Um, practices, the cultural ritual of greetings, that as being immersed in it, I said, hey, this is groovy. For the first few days, you you have it and you feel, well, this will pass. <laughs> but it's the cultural, it's ingrained in the culture there, this kindness, the bowing of honoring voices, uh, graceful, and this, I seem to notice this uh, passion to avoid saying no, if it's possible to get around it, <laughs> and kindness and politeness. And the f agreed with the food options, uh, travel with my uh, collaboration life space partner, R.G. Osiananda, 
and we performed in two temples, stayed in one of them overnight. That was quite a cultural yum yum. <laughs> you know, I don't I forgot what they call the rooms, but the bamboo floor and sliding doors mm -hmm. and futons. The real deal. <laughs> Minimalist. <laughs> the right setting to have a piece of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't have pizza. <laughs> the um, Kyoto was a place of, I think, a thousand temples, maybe, and we visited two of them. We were joined by a host who drove us to these temples. One was called the Silver Temple. I don't remember why, but it was. it had a flat, ground level and then it had ascending up into a side mountain aspect to it. Uh, all the temples, well it seemed like all of them, have these shingled roofs. You can spot them while you're driving through the city and you just notice there's a temple there and there's a temple there. There's another temple. Oh look, there's a temple too. Oh that must be a temple. So many temples. Uh, I wondered, I don't know if I got an answer when I asked the question, did that many temples in a city impact the level of peace and tranquility of the residents? Just, I, I don't know what to, the answer might have been to that. I didn't see any funky activity, but then again, there were lots of tourists in the section of Kyoto where we were. Mm. Well, I noticed uh, walking around New York today, there seems to be an old church on every block. Where? In New York. Here. Oh, that's possibly. They're competing with Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> the Temple of Coffee and the Temple of the God. But I don't know how much that's affected the general vibes oh, in I New York City. Oh, I see you're making you know. a connection. I'm just like wondering about your theory, that's all. <laughs> I'm just wondering, would things be more out of hand if there were no way to uh. channel <laughs> your passion into transcendental altruistic platforms? Hmm. So you enjoyed your time in Japan. How was the reception? Uh, extremely good. Each one was followed by, please come again, please come again. Very good reception. Uh, you could feel it, and I felt it too. It's an intuitive knowingness to, to go there and bring a gift that is spontaneous and improvisation. No, intuitively unfolded performance. So I'm feeling it's, you can call it like a therapist's um, intention of staying in the moment and feeling what seems to be the flow, the musical, the musical agenda, hmm. silence, gentleness, then uh, using the five rhythms model as um, index card, so that I tend to let all of those five areas come into play during the music. Mm. And as it comes, I can feel the uh, receptivity in the people who are present because these five rhythms are like universal in body, in soul, in spirit movements in in various cultures around the planet so that when I infuse these rhythms into the music I just feel that the body is going to respond it's like you just know it's just, 
it's not uh, guesswork. It's, mm. it's like a doctor with medicine, you know that the patient's going to respond if you give him this or you <laughs> that, or you do this or do that. So there's a trusting of the five rhythms, the trusting of uh, the breath, letting the breath unfold the music, too. And so all of this, I can feel that the listeners are drinking it in deeper than just a superficial hearing experience, so deep listening, mm -hmm. deep hearing. And I can see it in the body language. I can hear it in the silence that is well-maintained when I withdraw sound. Mm. I, I don't feel an anxiousness to hurry up. Mm. You know, I, I was, uh, it's another thing I was struck by during that performance in Toronto. When I got to the venue, I was actually quite surprised to see the makeup of the audience. There was a lot more kind of urban hipsters there than I would have anticipated. Um, I figured it'd be more of the hippie crowd. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of like black leather jackets, and um, I noticed. So I was, I was surprised by that, but I thought it was really cool. And I just noticed the softness that came over the audience by the end of it. Like it seemed that there was a, a transformative quality to the performance. I'm happy to hear that. So I don't get a chance to see audiences totally before. I've packed up and they've left. <laughs> but that makes sense that the intention in the music that I would like to serve is to honor, I'd say, the etheric realm. I believe that when uh, we can have the option of relating to ourselves as carbon-based, electromagnetic, dense flesh beings. We can think body, body, body. And what, to me, what goes along with that is a sense of territorialism and a sense of separation, that I'm not that body because I'm this body. But that, when I use the element, the five, fifth element of ether or space, and bring that into the music very often, ethereal music, that allows the listener to identify themselves, however temporarily, as ether, as spaciousness, therefore softening. So the resistance and the congestion and the compression that goes with in the body, whether it's the leather person, mm -hmm. but the body, the denser body, if the music can lift the focus of the listener into the etheric platform, even temporarily, the behavior will automatically reflect space, softness, decompression. Mm. That's an incredible insight because I would imagine that the music that a lot of those folks normally listen to, I'm probably generalizing, but you know, I was kind of part of that scene for a while, uh, is bass heavy rock and roll music, uh, dance music, very much body centered, earthy driving music which maybe wouldn't offer so much opportunity for this softening and dissolving of uh, separation, right? Yes. My experience, Brian, is that, let's say, given a night show, like from 9 to 1 in the morning, maybe continuous heavy 
driving music, um, in-body music. Generally, these these kind of performance spaces in New York were with people standing up, holding a glass of beer. Or, so there's a sensual, in-body, physical, continuous uh, continuum of body-centered uh, activity. In that space, I don't know if there's, a, unless there's a gender sh shift up, switch up, let's say if you're just heavy male dominant energy and then you have a soft female rock, which in contrast would be a, a lightening up of the space, softening, so the gender aspect or the yin, if you'd call it, bringing the yin energy in to uh, balance yang dominant. Think of the yang thing. <laughs> the yang, the yang thing. Uh, yang music can just really drive, excite us, thrill us. I mean, where do we get the yin quality? Probably when you go home and pet your cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if they ended um, nights at the bar with more of the yin quality, there might be less fights out on the street. Mm-hmm. Yin, lighter space, open, soft, that it's within us. It doesn't have to be imported. It's here where we are, just like all the colors of the autumn are in the leaves while the leaves are still green like all the uh, shades of our spiritual character are here to be released the moment that our uh, mental equivalent allows them to come through. So music can align us to those impersonal or higher characters and we can find ourselves spontaneously just acting as though we know intuitively we are one with all and that uh, there's one of us here and that regardless of what death looks like, Essentially, in the midst of it, I am eternal. Now, this way of knowing can be activated with uh, sound as a director of the emotions. And you don't have to know these things intellectually. That silence, silencing the flow of linear intellectual activity can leave you and myself in a state of expanded awareness, now presence. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I feel that's true, that if uh, the music is resonating with this aspect of ourself, it's like it brings out those higher harmonics. It's, it's always there, but it just starts to bring it up to our awareness or our experience mm -hmm. more. Yes, a, um, listening to some ayahuasca icarons or Icaros. Icarons, that my experience with ayahuasca and my recall how sensitive I am to that kind of sound experience, sound hearing experience. It may sound like noise or incidental sounds to someone who's not in a sensitive trance state, but to me, that's trance-lucid communication, mm -hmm. sharing the trance state through a language that 
isn't redundant, that isn't overboard, but holds the space of the the communicator's trance. You don't talk about the trance when you're in trance. You talk as a trance. <laughs> I know you like wordplay, and I just thought of transcending music. Yes, transcending music. Uh, I believe that's what I'm familiar with. Yeah, transcending music, but music that sends you into a trance. Uh -huh. Trans transcending. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I relate to that very intimately. Yeah, what what you said though reminds me of when I would, uh, when I was doing some work in the Santo Daimi Church, and when I was at home, I'd listen to the hymns quite a bit to the hymn, the hymns, the songs yeah. from the ritual to help me stay connected to what I learned in those ceremonies. And I remember the reaction from my wife. She just, they would grate on her nerves because uh, they always have a really kind of harsh maraca keeping yeah. the rhythm and they can be very repetitive, mm. simple uh, melodies, uh, which have the effect in the ceremony of sending you into this trance state. But my wife, having not been so familiar with that or connected to it, she just didn't hear it the same way that I did. Because, yes. Reminded of how you relate to the Icaros different than maybe other people. Yes, but you hear that sound in the context of a different vibrational understanding. And uh, I know in trance or in the... Uh, ayahuasca or a state it's effortless to perceive the body as a mask as a covering uh, or a cadaver and in that place of perception during the ayahuasca trance of looking across the table at the person who's sharing the Santa Daime with me or the other people at the table that I, the skin takes on rather a rubbery, cadaver kind of a texture. Mm. Um, the sense is that I'm witnessing this invisibleness of our collective presence using these body forms. <laughs> meat suits. You too? Meat suits. Meat suits, yes, meat suits. <laughs> and... Um, but yes, after me having too. that experience, meat suits and me too. Meat suits, <laughs> and in that state of um, directly perceiving or imagining this to be the case, that kind of music, in the context of me in present time having this visual experience, makes sense. Mm. It sounds like the the music of consciousness in an altered state of trance. And so a different perception of space and time is active. And this sound accompanies us there. It's not a space where you want to hear James Brown or Ray, Ray Charles. Mm. <laughs> 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 or Engelbert Humberdink. It's, <laughs> or it's Ethel, <laughs> Ethel Merman, maybe. <laughs> no business like show business, I know. <laughs> Ethel Merman. Yes, she is. She held it. Yeah, okay. that's music for the body. 
Maybe. Music for the body. It's music for Broadway box office smashes hits. Ethel Merman, wow. She she kept a gig, as they say in the performance. She keeps a job. She kept the job. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm happy for her. Just for the listeners, we were talking about Ethel Merman before we started recording. Ethel so that's Merman. where that comes from. It's not a complete yes. non sequitur. <laughs> Although we welcome non sequiturs. Yeah, these when I was young I was exposed to these artists. Vaughn Monroe and Ben Cosby and uh Matt King Cole, Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. But this idea of altered states and then the question, what is real? What is reality? What is real at this moment for the next forty five minutes? What is it I can put my hands on, or what is it that I can interact with, or what is it that I can emotionalize and put into physical response behavior? Something, something I've been thinking about um, recently is medicines like ayahuasca mm-hmm. actually being anti-hallucinogens and taking us to an, the unaltered state, maybe. I've thought about that too. Are we getting high or are we taking off the high? Yeah, we're getting sober. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, what is the unaltered state? You know, like we always call and these altered states. Are we, aren't we always in some kind of altered state day to day? Altered from, if you can we declare there's a norm, normal state? Or would that normal not even be a state, just be an unnameable presence uh yeah what is altered and how would we be willing to accept the answer to this question mm-hmm. uh, i think essentially we think of altered as being some state other than the state that our mommies and daddies want us to be in <laughs> 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 compliant and oh, yeah. respectful something and rebellious to <laughs> the comfortable norm i think that's that's where the language uh comes from right it's altered state from consensus reality and yes altered from and the consensus reality could be compounded by your having gone to a religious institution that you get that uh, if you're altering your state, you're making it more difficult for God to find you, or therefore you're pl- you're wasting God's time. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Stay where we can recognize you. Um, so in altered states, exploratory, and you're ex- I think you're experimenting with and investing in this profound gift of conscious existence Uh, you could play it safe and go along with the crowd or you could poke your head through the bubble of perception and see what other things other ways consciousness can experience itself it's so curious explorer Mm -hmm. would take on the rights of an explorer or an artist yeah though altered state would mean leaving the uh, comfort zone of the you call it going the box stepping out of the box mm-hmm. of 
But, you know, the more I learn about psychedelics, I'm wondering what is the norm? Because I think more people were using going out of the norm, whether they were psychiatrists or doctors or uh, military people. That, And then there you have your uh, pharmacies, pharmaceuticals. What is the norm? What was the norm? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe safeguarded in military academies or in uh, private schools where there's strict compliance mm-hmm. to an accepted behavior of dress, behavior, and uh, attitude. They call it the norm. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about maybe norm is a difficult term because it's a really hard thing to pinpoint and it's probably ever-changing depending on culture and context and everything. But when I go to a place like the Amazon jungle and I meet people who live there, yeah, I get a sense that there's something very unnatural about the way we live and interact with each other here in the north. I bet you would. It's brought into sharp contrast when I'm in a place like that. Hmm. And so it makes me feel that our our normal state is actually quite unnatural. That could be. Uh, you might need to go above it and look down at it to see it, it in a higher, another context. This it reflects the level of our perception or our self probably our meditations we're reflecting the way we meditate and take in information um, people in the Amazon they're probably very intimately bonded with the jungle mm-hmm. animals creatures Humidity. You were talking um, throughout this conversation, but also before, about how there's a whole tradition of healing in the Amazon that utilizes the voice singing to do the healing work. And I'm wondering from your experience and your perspective, how you think music can be healing. And maybe that ties in with, you know, uh, altering our state of consciousness, but maybe it doesn't. I definitely feel that sound, whether it's musical sound or an intentional creative sound, can produce a sense of environment for a sentient being or conscious being, an emotional being, can produce a sense of environment within which that consciousness or emotional entity can reshape or let go of a no longer functional identity in order to participate in a less constrictive sense of identity. The sound architectonically, I use the word architectonic, can suggest a different 
geography, a different geometric feel, a different sense of time and space energetics within which the habitat assumes a different body, a different shape in order to inhabit that space. So that uh, an example would be once I was a guest at a woman's house in Upper West Side, Manhattan. Her name was Margaret, and she would invite musicians over to her house to have food and jam. I mean, jamboree, improvisation. (laughs) Not jam on toast? (laughs) Not jam on toast. (laughs) One particular night I arrived, and there was this cute little cat at the door called Kitschka. Kitschka was a new pet in the house. Kitschka would stand inside the door, and we thought, oh, what a cute little black cat. We opened the door, and it was imperative that we take our shoes off for this apartment. No sooner had I taken our shoes off that Kitschka would leap and put all claws into my foot. (laughs) 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 And uh, I learned very quickly to keep my feet from Kitschka's view. And Kitschka would attack generally anybody's foot that came into the house. And Margaret... She didn't wasn't really conscious that that was going on, and we didn't want to make a big thing about it. <laughs> you don't so, want to blow the gig, man. You didn't want to blow the gig. <laughs> Free meal, come but on. But Kitschka, we would hide our feet from this little black cat that would roam around the apartment. So one, maybe the next visit, I was ready for Kitschka. That I, I knew when I opened the door to move very swiftly, <laughs> and I sat up, sat on the floor with my zither case. I opened the zither case and took the zither out leaving the zither case open and empty. And Kitschka came by and looked at the case and jumped in. Cats were curious. A little black cat in my zither case. So I closed the zither case because Margaret was in some other part of the apartment. And I put my zither on the case and I strummed this open-tuned zither for a few seconds, maybe a minute. Then I just silenced and heard nothing inside. I took the zither off of the case, opened the case, and there was Kitschka just kneeling, looking with big eyes, looking around like stone or stunned. And she just just comfortably, easily just stepped out of the box. And since that time, she never attacked another person. <laughs> and I remember calling Margaret maybe a month later, asked about the cat, and the cat was was altered was in another zone. Wow. And so to answer your question, that music provided Kitschka in in a black sense deprivational environment with uh, an inability to hold on to its old sense of self, you know, the, the geometric design of its body. It was in this black space and it was inundated with the sound of the zither coming in all directions. So it had a new environment within which to either hold on to his old identity or release into some abstract, ununderstandable sense of itself, which in that place, it was no longer the attack cat. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I just um, had a brainstorm. Maybe we could talk about this after and work out a, some kind of deal, but I can imagine a coffin-like container do a coffin a coffin well there's a step up (laughs) complete complete silence you know you close it 
but it's got a monochord built on top of it. Yes. To mimic your zither on mm-hmm. top of the case, and so that a human can get inside, and then someone would play the monochord on top, and offer the opportunity for a total reset. Yes. I mean, I can see us marketing this thing. Uh, a very acoustically active coffin. Uh, yeah. uh, a new way to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I call it, what do you call it? Uh, upbeat dying. That's what uh, <laughs> Baba Ramadas calls it. Upbeat dying. And mm. you're dying with a different attitude. But that is unique. Uh, the closest I've come to that is just... Tr- Attempting to let the performance environment be uh, a group coffin, mm. just requiring woofers and tweeters and my sound writer, and thinking of playing the stereo field. That's the closest I've come to it. No, really, that's the closest I came to it until I played music this summer. And one place was Moscow, where people were diving into water though there were speakers underwater and above waters at this oh, Moscow wow. pool. And what I learned is that in the water, underwater, one hears the sound coming from all directions, mm. and they hear it through bone-conducted sound, yeah. and they get an, a very immersive experience. So I learned that this summer, and that's very uplifting to learn, and I intend to pursue it as comfortable as it becomes to pursue of doing more of that. Yeah. So that way, a total immersive experience with sound would be a way of resetting. Yeah. Uh, The coffin idea could be very um, custom experience. You could do it for a whole family. (laughs) Or just have coffins in a, uh, a setting like a spa. Yeah, and people come in for forty-five minutes and get reset with sound. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Hmm. Hmm. And I like the whole death and rebirth angle to it. You know, so it's kind of fitting that it takes place in a coffin-like structure. Now, we before we release this conversation, we might have to call a lawyer <laughs> and get a patent or something. We don't want anyone else to jump on this, do we? Ah. Uh. There, people have done this with sub packs. They've done it with uh, um, the chairs with that have a surround yeah. goggles. Then you have your goggles, but I don't know if anyone could jump on this and patent it in a way that would block me from pursuing it. Matter of fact, if they jumped on it and patented it and did a very good job of it, they would probably be making coffins that I could buy from them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't need to dominate or monopolize it, but it would be, uh, it is a cheery, visionary direction. Uh, these pods, once there was sense deprivation tanks, this could be an evolution along that intention. Well, yeah, like sense depth tanks are great, but they're so high maintenance, you know, you could got all of that water all of that salt to be filtering all the time yes and so this would just be a lot cleaner and simpler and rely on the darkness the, the you could make it very comfortable inside yeah i would be very I, I imagine i would do a a 
test run, get a test coffin. Yeah, we'll do a prototype first. Prototype, you know, yes. Over at your apartment. Aha. Uh-huh. And we'll have like a signature Laraji tuning on the monochord. And you mentioned monochord. Uh, actually, monochord, I mean, unison and octaves are the two uh, very appropriate intervals to take people into a peaceful state. Yeah, I think Pythagoras uh, used monochords for healing. Mm-hmm. We could call it the Pythagoras pod. Yes, I would probably play with some electronic effects on there to see Ooh. if that would... Uh, yeah, you could have... For a stereo pan. Button on the side, would do all these different settings. Whoa. Oh, man. We, wow, even special... Uh, programs or recordings already comes with the unit you could do it yourself whoa our eyes just got big i think we're on to something <laughs> yes how many different names come up with something like that then it would I'd see a coffin size unit, maybe two, um, just in case couple want, couples want to be the you could, prototype. Well, you could have a double wide and a single. <laughs> <laughs> maybe an infant, infant size too, one for a cat. <laughs> cat size. <laughs> just the inspiration, Kishka. Yes. Um, yes, sound, sonic technology. Now, who is on this wavelength using it in a different context, I would believe, is the Navy. And the way they're sending uh, subsonics through the waters and it's affecting whales and sea life. In a negative way. Uh, I'd like to think that they're reaching for understanding it, but... Whales beaching themselves suggest that this is not nice. Yeah. It's an intrusion. So the next step on a venture like this would be to probably draw some prototypes and list the features in the available to the users of such a medium. Um, just what kind of jobbing company would one approach to build something like this. We're thinking of lightweight, wood. Hemp. Hemp. Or acoustically uh, proven wood like spruce or maple. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think of a Cedar. Cedar. It'd smell good. Mm-hmm. Uh, hemp. You mentioned hemp. Yeah. I think of hemp as... Uh, you don't think of it as a... Like bamboo, like a surface. They can make uh, like a fiberglass type material from hemp. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently, Henry Ford used to make uh, body panels from hemp. It's extremely strong, but very lightweight. Body panels? For the cars. Oh, really? Yeah. You mean thing that they use metal for and plastic now? Yeah. How about that? How about that? <laughs> there's a, there's a lot we could uh, 
we could add to this pod too. I'm even thinking about uh, aromatics. Well, that 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 would know? be right in harmony with the uh, the the burgeoning cannabis market. Yeah, that the uh, Canadome. <laughs> Made in Canada, Canadome. <laughs> Canadome. Made from come in and Canadian and hemp. Raise. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, look. Should we put like a? I think like we, a three-week time on this. Put our brains on do it, it and then come back with a idea evolved. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to work drawing up some blueprints for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, doing some research on materials. Wow. And we're going to schedule another meeting. Yeah. In about three weeks' time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to maybe table this part of the podcast, just even uh, hold on to it as a record of this. Yes. This could be... Gestation. Could be simul domes in different parts of the world of with friends who are plugged in through UBS or whatever, have a simul dome experience. Uh, I mean, you could be doing a, a live stream to people's pods. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> We'd have to be sure that the people who said they're in those pods are in there uh, and that we know a little med- medical things about them, whether they can take uh mm. Yes, indeed. So deep relaxation, altered states, uh, highly preferable for people who are already practicing meditation and yoga to take it even deeper. Without any, um, without psychedelics, you know, completely yeah. sustainable. You You know about holotropic breath work mm-hmm. this is kind of in that d- direction too yeah <laughs> yeah but without the hyperventilation oh yeah you know you can do just regular nice relaxed deep breathing well i'm into it man um yes yeah, so we're talking about units units into experiential body on units people can lie in there and bliss out for 15 minutes or whatever whatever <laughs> safe and not threatening people can say i'm going to go lie in my pod for 15 minutes or 20 minutes i need some pod time two hours or i'm going to sleep there or i'm going to do my breath work or mm-hmm. yes how many applications for this then when you close the lid and choose the music program, the sound program, total sound. Full body sound. Full body. Now troubleshoot. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Did you ever see the fly? Yeah. <laughs> you know what went wrong? I was thinking of Altered States. You ever see that movie? Late 70s, early 80s? No. Um, with, oh, God. I can't remember the actor, but he would go into a early version of the sensory deprivation tank. It was based on John Lilly. And uh, he actually devolved into a ape-like being. 
by going into these deep altered states, mm-hmm. change this like whole molecular structure. Yes. So that's a possible thing danger. That go wrong. <laughs> Devolution. Devolution. <laughs> what could go super right is that maybe evolution. S- evolution. Sleeping geniuses could be awakened. New levels of creativity and uh, scientific thought could be unleashed through these tanks. Uh, insight into uh, crafting a sustainable new world. Mm. The no think tank. The no no think tank. No think tank. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> I think I figured out what prostration was in the Bible. It says, prostrate yourself before me. And to me, what it seems to mean is just to no think, no resistance, disappear and let my presence wash through you and know yourself by way of my presence. This prostration of uh, just letting go and being present. The no think no pushback. <laughs> mm. How do you know Killian, by the way? Well, let's, okay. let's stop the recording. <laughs> All right. Stop the recording. Well, so look. this is November the 16th? 17th. 17th, 2019 here in the Chelsea, New York. Brian James Laraji. To be continued. (laughs) Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or sharing it on social media. If you're looking for support on your medicine path, you can become a Patreon subscriber and have access to hours of yoga practice resources, podcast extras, and a lot more. You can find out more at patreon.com forward slash medicine path. If you'd like more personal support, you can book an online session with me at brianjames.ca. Thanks so much for listening. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. Until next time we meet on the medicine path. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.